0: Turn to Ephesians 5, and we're going to begin reading in verse 18. It says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, which is a word we don't use but meaning in excess. He said, But be filled with the Spirit, or what we've said and looked at is be filled to overflowing with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21 says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And it's all connected here when he's talking about being filled. And we've said this about this book as we go through because when we get over into the sixth chapter, we're going to read a phrase that's going to say, Finally, or in conclusion, it's going to wrap the whole thing up and go through something to help us be successful in how we pray, how we do different things, uh, how we witness, how we use our faith. And so all these things are important, but they're leading up to something too. And so I'm going to read here um, Ephesians 5.18, but I'm going to read it from the Amplified, which is, you know, just another book. Translation, but what it is about the Amplified is it'll take a word that's in the Greek and it'll amplify it. It'll tell the definition. And so, right here, it says this in verse 18: It says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is wickedness, corruption, and stupidity, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And constantly guided by Him. And constantly guided by Him. One reason we as Christians should maintain a Spirit-filled life is so that we can be conscious of the Holy Spirit and we can be guided by Him. Now, we're supposed to be guided by the Bible, but we're also supposed to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Because we know certain things, you know, that are just plain in the Bible. Like if you're looking for a friend and you go, hey, you know, they're this kind of person, they fit in the Bible, but something inside of you, you go, "Uh uh-uh, I need to watch this. I need to be careful. Because God knows things beyond what is apparent to your eyes. You with me? He knows. And so when he said here, don't get drunk with wine, that's stupid, or stupidity, and corruption, or corrupts people, and how many of you know God has a better way about things than you do, right? And better than the world does. And even if the world tells you this is good, this is right, you know, I remember back when I was uh, in high school and somebody offered me drugs, and then offered me other things, and they were telling me whatever how they're so good, those guys' lives are all led into corruption, into bondage. Those things rob people, they leave them empty, but they tell you how good it is. But I found that people that live those ways are not fulfilled, are not the most happy. Inwardly, there's something wrong. It's because it's stupidity. Now, we don't want to call them that, and it's corrupting. Do drugs bring about good in people's lives? Do get, getting drunk bring about good in people's lives? No. <clears throat> and so what he's trying to do is say, hey, there's this for the believer. Get filled with the Spirit and then maintain a Spirit-filled life. Because we've said this as we've been teaching in this small little area here. The Christian who gets filled with the Spirit needs to maintain a Spirit-filled life. In other words, the Spirit of God does not leak out of you. He does not leave you once you're filled. But you need to continually allow those rivers to flow up and overflow in your life. You understand what I mean? You know, we go to uh, different parks, and now I don't mean like Disneyland, Magic Mountain, or something like that, Six Flags somewhere, but, you know, there's different parks, you know, like Zion or, you know, Grand Canyon, but there's some of them that have volcanoes, but some of those parks you go to that have volcanoes have never erupted in a long time. They're safe to hike in. You could go walk near the volcano, but there is no force there that is going to do anything to you. All it is, is a picture of things of the past. And there's not a lot of present activity that's visible to the eyes. Right? It isn't, you know, uh, the park up in, um, what is it, Yellowstone. You know, we know about the geysers and everything. They say there's a super cauldron there. That could, if it exploded, would destroy more than make half of the United States, uninhabitable. You just couldn't even live. People would die. And they say it's one of the biggest ones in the world, and, you know, they, they monitor it all the time. And the roads there, because there's heat coming up from the ground, it just messes the roads up. And they're constantly having to monitor it. But if you go there, you can see these, you know, we know of Old Faithful. That's just not in cartoons. That's actually there. You know, these geysers that shoot up and there's these uh, mineral pools with hot water and stuff like that. But we go there and we're so fascinated at at this great force and power and, you know, the beauty of it. And do you know that really the power and beauty is not released or the, the great power is not released there? But people flock there to go see these things that will erupt, a little geyser, Woo! Have you seen Old Faithful? And then they they've even built things out so you could walk on these, you know, areas where the mineral waters are hot because under the ground there is something that's working that is super powerful. But we know if it was ever released, the results would be phenomenal. Would be phenomenal. And we've maybe heard of the history of things and different things that have erupted at different times. I mean, you know, there was an eruption over a 100 years ago in the 1800s, and uh, there wasn't the news outlets like today. There wasn't the Internet. That's newer. They didn't even have toasters back then. And so they didn't have this but on the east coast in the middle of summer they had already planted and they were getting you know thinking we're going to have a harvest this year and all of a sudden the temperature started dropping because halfway around the world an earth a volcano had erupted and it changed the whole environment of the planet and it literally was snowing on the east coast in the middle of summer because of one volcano that erupted. There's power underneath this, under the ground. We, I mean, think about it. Mount St. Helens. We know that that thing blew half of that mountain or a big chunk of that mountain off, changed the weather. I mean, it affected states. In Idaho and Montana and up into Canada, there were clouds that made it dark or, you know, pretty dark for a couple of days because of this massive eruption. The power was there, but it had never been released. And what happens is if we're not careful, Christians can be filled with the Spirit, full of untold power because Jesus said you would receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. But the issue is this, you can have water under the ground by your house and in your property and not tap into it and and be dehydrated. But if you would learn and could learn how to get a well or dig a hole to tap into that water, you could tap into a resource that's been there the whole time, right? And it could change your whole existence. And if we tapped in in a real way as a group, it could affect the state, It could affect the whole world. And I'm not talking about just me. I'm talking anywhere that this power is. In other words, in any believer. In any believer. I mean, isn't it true people go to Hawaii? And one of the things, even if you don't go to the big island, you go to the main island of Oahu. You know, when I went there the first time, I'm like, where are the active volcanoes? Because, you know, I want to see them. I mean... I've looked at the videos where they put stuff in the little flows and it melts and I'm like, "I'm for that." <laughs> I want to see it. Oh, no, you got to go to the Big Island to go see that. It's 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 an attraction. And here's the thing. We have something, but is it flowing like it should? Or do we have some hot springs? little hot water? Or is there something we can do to release this? And it's interesting that he said in the King James, be filled speaking to yourself in really and to others in praise and thanks to God. That is part of it. Now we've talked about the other stuff too, but that is a part of keeping filled. And when we say filled, If you've been here when we've talked about this, this doesn't mean, like, I fill my cup and it gets full. I'm full. He's in me in His fullness. All the fullness of God is in you if you're saved and filled with the Spirit. Just like there are volcanoes that underground, you know, they'll see a little bit of smoke coming out. You know, I've been down to Central America, and there's an area in Guatemala where you can go, and there's a volcano, a big one, and just for years. It just has a little bit of smoke coming out. Just a little bit of smoke. We all know, whoa, what if that thing went off? But it hasn't. It's just a little bit of smoke just been coming out, coming out. Come. It's got the power. It's got the ability, got the force to affect the whole region. It just needs to be tapped or released. Not that we want a volcano to go off. You understand? But a believer has that too. And when we learn how to uh, release what's in us, we're being filled. It literally means to furnish or, you know, to cause to overflow. And so we do that by thanks and praise. And like we said last week, we should add this to our own prayer time. In other words, don't just have a prayer time. Spend a few minutes praising the Lord before you start praying. Spend some time praising after and start doing that, and you'll start noticing, man, there's something that's happening. God's Spirit is moving in the atmosphere around me. There's some kind of dynamic power that's beginning to work. Maybe there's a little bit of smoke coming out. That doesn't mean you've got it all in action, but there's something starting to come out. People are starting to look, oh, there's a little bit of smoke coming off their head. And it's not that they have a bad attitude, you know, or they're mad. But they're starting to do this and they're releasing what's in them. And so the Amplified, I want to read that again because there's something I want to look at before we leave today. It says this do not get drunk with wine, for that is wickedness, corruption, and stupidity. But now I'm going to say some things about alcohol that probably most of us are aware of. Usually, When people drink alcohol and start getting drunk, they start doing things they wouldn't have done sober. Or they had the mindset to do it, but once they started drinking, it sent them down that path. They opened themselves up. I've seen people who were not prone. Maybe they had a little bit of a temper, but they started drinking and they became a fighter. I've seen people who uh, were kind of just rigid, you know, and they start drinking and they just start getting drunk and they start relaxing and acting all crazy. I've seen people drink and it just caused them to act so many different ways. And then they'll even act in immoral ways that they wouldn't have done had they not been drunk. They'll talk to people they would not have talked to. They'll act ways that they wouldn't have. They'll even get to the point where it's hard for them to stand up. You with me? And the next day they'll have a hangover. Now, I say that because what if being filled with the Spirit has similar but positive things? You get so full, you'll talk to people you wouldn't have talked to before about the Lord. That's positive. You'll you'll give way to the Lord in ways you wouldn't have been given way to Him before. You know, you start praising Him. He's moving in your life, and you're sensing Him, and He's dealing with you, and you're like, I'll do that, Lord. And uh, you start making decisions based on this infilling and this influence of the Spirit. What if that's what it was all about? And that was one dynamic aspect about being filled with the Spirit. You become more pliable to the Lord in ways. What if you got so full you couldn't even stand up? Now, people who are in the world will come to a church and sometimes or see somebody pray for somebody and they'll fall over and they'll go, oh, brother, come on. But then they'll go to the bar and talk about it and stagger out, can't even walk, and say, now look at them. But we know the Bible in 2 Chronicles 5, 13 on, when they ministered to the Lord and they praised the Lord, it said the priest couldn't even stand up because of the cloud, the glory of God, and the power of God that came in there got so strong, they couldn't even stand. There were times they'd praise God so much and, and, and worship Him that the power would fill the place, and then people couldn't even come in the door. That'd be pretty good. Make fun of people, you know, all those guys believe in falling down. Let's go visit their church, and they go to open the door, and they're like, whoa, it's like hard to get in. Can it get that way? See, the thing is, if you read church history, you know these things are true. I mean, you know, these things have happened 50 years ago, 100 years ago. 150 years ago, you can read about it. Isn't it amazing people believe in volcanoes that blew up, but question this. But there are how many volcanoes are blowing up around the world right now. But they would believe in a volcano more than they believe in the power of God. Interesting. I mean, no matter what, it would be good for us to tap into. Because like the Amplified says... But be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by Him. God wants us constantly guided by Him. Turn to John 7. We're going to go through a couple of verses here about being constantly guided by Him. Would God guide us to uh, be filled, to live following Him? Why do volcanoes stop flowing? they harden up, they dry up, they get clogged up, right? But when there's a force rising up from within that's greater from without, that volcano flows. And if we would just learn to listen to God, that life would constantly and power would be flowing out of our life. We'd be constantly guided. Hey, if you're guided by God, if you cooperate with God, God will work with you and be involved in your life in ways that you couldn't even imagine. He is never trying to rob you of something good. He's trying to get good into your life. And so John seven thirty seven, a familiar verse of Scripture, but I'm going to read it in the King James. Actually, we'll just read verse 38 for time. Jesus said this in verse 38 in the King James Version, He that believes on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The next verse talks about it being the Holy Spirit. The reason why I read the King James is because it gives a location of where the Holy Spirit will flow out of you. As a believer, it is important to know where your spirit is. It is super important. You're not trained this way. I mean, we go to school. I took a weightlifting class. Somebody's like, you need to take it again. But... (laughs) I took it in high school and, uh, you know, we had to learn about the biceps and the triceps and we had to learn and then details about them and and the quads and, you know, all these different muscles in your body and we had to learn them and not, you know, it was like bicep femoris or something like that or quadriceps, is that it, femoris, the bigger and they'd go through all these muscle things and you had to learn them. Bible said you have to give them more earnest heed lest you let them slip. Well, we, don't wanna, we may let muscle understanding slip, but we don't want to let spiritual things slip. And it's so important for us to know, you know, that uh, we are a spirit being. His spirit lives in our spirit, and we need to know where the location of our spirit is, especially if that's where the Holy Spirit lives and that's where you're supposed to be guided, and that's where you're supposed to get direction, and that's where he's made you brand new and washed you from all sin and made you his own, and that's the part of you that leaves, you know, so to speak. But there's a central part where you are to look, and he said, out of your belly. There are other scriptures that say the same terminology. Why is it important for you to know about your belly? Somebody's like, because I'm hungry right now. No, you have a physical belly, but this isn't about acids going and attacking a burrito you ate, you know, and going, "Ah, that was so good. This is a spiritual part of you that's way down here in the core. And he said, from there, you're going to have something rise up. What if I don't have something rising up all the time? Then I know I can do something to make it rise up. One, pray in tongues or praise the Lord and just spend some time praising the Lord. Or I can declare His Word and begin to speak His Word, and I'll notice His Spirit bearing witness with my spirit. Where? Way down here. Why is that important? Christians are very familiar with this, but sometimes we just, you know, if we're not careful, we start thinking more mental or more physical, and this isn't a priority area in our life, and it needs to be. I said, this is a priority area of our lives. It's the part of you that was made new. It's the part of you that got the life of God, and it's the part or in the location where his spirit dwells. And so I need to be conscious of this. That's why we would teach on it. If I said bicep to you and you didn't know the body part, you wouldn't know it was right here on the front top part of your arm. you go, okay, bicep. So if I said, hey, you guys need to follow your spirit but you didn't know where it was, people would say, I got goosebumps. Okay, I'm not knocking goosebumps, but that's not it. Oh, I had this thought. It must have been God. That's not it. It could have been God. It could have came from your spirit, and then your mind grabbed it and caught it and went, oh, that's him. But we should know. I said we should know, especially if he wants us constantly guided, then we need to know. We do have feelings. We do have emotions, but we have a spiritual part of us, and it's where he guides us, and we need to know it's in our belly. And I think this is important if we're going to talk about being constantly guided by him because we're spirit-filled Christians, but spirit-filled Christians have a lot of traditions, have a lot of sayings, have a lot of things that can be very misguiding to Christians. Like, you know, the Lord spoke to me the other day, and uh, when He spoke to me, and then, you know, the Lord spoke to me the night before last, and the Lord was speaking to me this morning, and the Lord was... And so when we hear the Lord is speaking, we just like go, where's my spirit? And we think, because my heart was racing fast, that must be God. No, way down in the core. But if I say that stuff and you don't have understanding then you'll go, wow, God doesn't talk to me because you equate it to an audible voice maybe. And it's not the primary way that God speaks to people or to his people, and we could be saved a lot of trouble if we would listen. And here's the thing, Christians are led by God. They they definitely are. And so the location is important. Because that helps us. Because when we get quiet sometimes, have you just ever went to do something and you said something and you knew it was wrong? Your head may have condemned you, and that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying you just knew down inside, don't do this, don't do this, don't do it. And you're like, I'm doing it. And then you got done doing it, and you're like, and it just fell apart, and you're like, I knew I shouldn't have done that. I just knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. But here's the thing, what if we know something good to do, and we're like, ah, no, and then all those reasonings come, but you just know, I should do this, I should do this, I should do it, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to do it. This is why we need to know the difference between thinking and Him leading. And if we're just going, well, I'm waiting for the Lord to speak to me, and He could be dealing with us on an ongoing basis you with me? And if we would just learn to cooperate, oh, how it would set him free in our life, so to speak. So what do you mean set him free in your life? Well, I believe you can lock God away out of your life. In the Old Testament, it said they limited the Holy One of Israel. You with me? If I ignore him, will he just endorse everything in my life? He wants to, But I'm opening up to other things, so I need to learn this, and this is important. And it's, I mean, it's not an audible voice. You don't have to have a degree. You just need some degrees. You know what I mean? you got to get fired up, stirred up. Notice this in Acts 27, and we're going to look at a few things about being led by God that will be helpful to us. Acts 27, notice this verse 10. And uh, these are some things how people were led by God in the Bible. We're going to find by looking at two or three things here before we leave that you've been led this way by God. Here's the problem sometimes about being led by God. We want more sometimes than He's willing to give. Have you ever known to do something but you're like, I need an audible voice about right now. If you could just up the volume, but you're like, I know I'm supposed to do that. And you're like, but if you would just talk in an audible voice, that would be really helpful right about now. But every time you go to pray, you're like, I know I need to do that. Anybody ever been there? Man, if I could just have an audible voice. I mean, not even a full-grown angel, just like a small one came. I mean, I totally, he wouldn't even have to fully appear if he just like handed me a note or something. I'd be like really okay with that. Sometimes you may get that stuff in your life, but not always. This you can always get. Notice this in Acts 27, uh, verse 10. It says, um, it says, uh, this is Paul. He's getting ready to go on a journey, he's in a boat. And uh, he's a prisoner at this time, and uh, he tells him to not proceed because he's getting direction from God. But listen to how he got this direction. He said, saying, men, he advised him not to go. I perceive that this voyage, notice that phrase, I perceive. He was perceiving or picking it up where I would say the same way the Bible said, in his spirit or way down on the inside. He said, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and of the ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. That tells us right there that in our lives that we're going to know stuff and it's not always going to be popular with other people. They may even tell you why it's not the best thing to do, why it's not the best avenue to take, why you're missing it. It goes on to say, and these guys are great with ships. I mean, they are owners. They're not going to do something just purposely to destroy their own ship. But they looked at the sea, they looked at the situation, and they said, it's favorable, let's go. And he said, I perceive. You got a perceiving guy and guys that know the stock market. You got the guys that know the business industry. They know the waves, the wind, and it said when it seemed favorable, they left, and they did not listen to him. Here's the big thing, no matter the pressure that comes in life from people, when you know something from God, you got to go with it. It will always pay off. He had to pray again. Now they're all listening to him. Hey, track record with this works great because once people recognize you hear from God, they'll start paying attention to you. Not at first. Man, they were going to kill all the prisoners. But the soldiers and the different ones and the owner wanted to do Paul a favor because he warned them. Then he told them later, I prayed God said he'll grant us, you know, your lives, but you have to do it this way. The ship is going to be destroyed. This is going to happen. So he saved everybody because of Paul. Why? Because he had learned how to follow the Lord. And in his own life, it said, he, he just, he picked up stuff, he perceived stuff, he knew stuff. That's how he got certain places. He said one time he was forbidden by the Spirit. He just knew, I can't go that way. Another time it said it didn't seem good. Another time he went forward and then he didn't know what to do. Then an angel appeared. But before he ever got there, he was learning to listen to the other. Notice this. So that's one thing we need to recognize. It can come as a perception turn to Acts 15, Acts 15, and we'll read a verse here that these people, uh, we'll, we'll start in the 30th verse. These people uh, were considered uh, prophets, people who knew God. These are people who heard from God, but they didn't say that they just always heard with an audible voice. How were these prophets led? Notice this in verse 30. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude of these believers together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. These guys had come from Jerusalem to bring a letter concerning doctrine and truth, and it says, now Judas and Silas themselves, these were some of them that came, being prophets also. They were not only bringing a letter, but they had they, these guys were full-blown ministers, and the Bible calls them prophets. And it said they exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. So they gave forth words from God, and they gave forth messages. And it said, and after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back, with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. So, the group, after they had been there a while, said, okay, you know, it's time to go back, go back, and let them know, you know, that we're so grateful for that letter, we're so grateful for the truth we got, and uh, we want to greet them, so send back. But notice, they're all getting ready to leave. They came, fulfilled what they were supposed to, they're prophets, some of them, and notice this. However, Verse 34, however, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. What does it mean it seemed good? It wasn't a reasoning thing. This guy is a prophet. He hears from God. We're Christians. We hear from God. But sometimes when we're hearing from God, where would it have seemed good to him? Man, it's about 70 degrees. Nah, it's freezing back there in Jerusalem, or it's hot back there in Jerusalem. It's gonna be 70 the next few months. Seems good to me. That's not what was driving his life. It was actually God. And when it talks about seeming good, there was a peace inside of him. There was an inward perception way down on the inside. It seemed good. So he stayed. Well, what's interesting as you read on, Paul comes to the area, this man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, had a partner with him in ministry. They, he wanted to bring somebody who had bailed on him, and he said, no, we're not going to take him. He split on us last time. He's not ready to go. And it said the contention grew so strong, Barnabas took the one who left, and now Paul's there, and he needs somebody to travel with him. And guess who he picked? Silas became his traveling partner in ministry for years after this on some leading that seemed good, just right inside. And we know that he was led by God in this, because you can read on. But notice this. Let's look at another one. Because these, you know, when we talk about, hey, I heard from God, could it be a perception? Could it be something that just seems good? Have you ever gone to do something? You know, I've had this happen before gone to go buy a car, and I needed one, and it just didn't seem good down way down inside. And I'm like, that makes no sense. Then I go over here, and I get this one instead, and it just seemed good inside because God lives in you. Have you ever tried to progress down a path and something inside just didn't seem good? Oh, no, uh, well, let's just do it. We, We got to. Don't ever feel pressure, not even by the helmsman or the captain or the owner of the ship or time on the clock. Get a rental car for a month, but that'll cost me this. Just get it. Then you'll know. When the time comes up, you'll go, oh, I see exactly why. You with me? Don't feel like you have to do something. If there's one thing you can learn in life, don't feel like you're pressured. And don't feel pressured. Some people need pressure because they need to obey God. They know what to do. But there's times where you're just sensing, wait just a minute, then just hold off. Pray and know. Notice this, and we'll close with this one, Acts 15, uh, same chapter, but a little further well this is actually part of the letter that they sent and how they came to a conclusion about what they were supposed to send there had been question about and the, you know what's so wild to me is there's questions today about the same thing that it was answered back then there's people who say you got to keep this feast You know, that's why God's not able to do what he used to do in our lives, because you're not keeping the feast. You're not getting circumcised. You're not eating lamb on this day. You're not keeping the Sabbath. They answered all that in this letter. And these were the guys who walked with Jesus. And these guys carried the letter down to these people, because what had happened, they were trying to heap all these rules, and they said, we couldn't keep them. And they didn't make us right with God. Why try and force it on the Gentiles who are now giving their lives to God? Because it didn't save us. It was through his grace. It was through his gift and his working that we got saved. And so notice this in verse 28. As he's, they're writing, we'll go to third, or 27. We have therefore sent Judas, and this is in the letter, and Silas. Because they're going to read this back who will also report the same things by word of mouth. In other words, what we're writing to you, they're going to tell you the same things. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. That's a huge statement. To lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. Now, how many necessary things are going to get laid on you? There's going to be at least 100 necessary things, right? I mean, there's a, if it's God, there's got to be a lot of necessary things if you're going to do this right. Right? Wouldn't you agree? Well, 29 has them all. That you abstain from things offered to idols and from blood, drinking that, you know, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. Okay, now how, where's the rest of the list? And if you, and if you keep yourselves from these, you will do well, farewell. Don't have idols, don't have things in your life that are bigger than God. In other words, if he deals with you to get rid of something, get rid of it, otherwise it's an idol. And he said, watch immorality, sexual immorality, because that's going to be a pull. That's going to be something you're going to deal with. He said, if you do these things, you're going to be in business. We'll talk to you later. Well, shouldn't we keep the Sabbath holy? Shouldn't we do this? But notice he said it seemed good to us. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Here's an interesting thought. Some things that seem good to the Holy Spirit because we really don't have our attitudes where they should be, don't always seem good to us. When our attitude is right, it'll seem good. Oh, yeah, the Lord said, you know, when I got saved, I knew. Watch the music you listen to. You need to be in the Bible. I knew these three things. You know, watch watch the people you hang around with. You need to be in the Bible and, you know, one other thing about music. That was it. I knew those things. My heart was so toward God, He could have said, you know, give everything you have right now, and I would have gone, okay. Our attitude should never change from that. What happens is when we are not really subject to the Lord, that's one thing about being filled with the Spirit. It makes you more pliable. Because really, what happens is, Everything he says, we should go, that's good, that's what I want to do. But have you ever come to the place where you're like, that's God for sure. Um, But, um, like, you want me to do that like like, um, obey now or like just keep living the way I'm living for six months and then we get around to that. So what we need to do is change our mentality and realize whatever God says to do, we need to look at it as something good. And realize this in your own spirit, it is good. It is right. It's fantastic. It really is. I said it really is. So what we need to do is like them. If it seems good to the Holy Spirit, then we should go, this is good for me. If it's good to God, it's good to me. If, it's, if God says this is bad, it's bad. And I'll adopt the same mentality. What's interesting about all these in one other verse in Romans 8, he tells us how to be led. He said, his spirit will bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. There'll just be a witness down in our spirit. I'm his, I belong to him. And do you know that in your life, if you're saved, you've come across this quite a bit. Meaning you could have been during praise and worship just praising the Lord and just, you know, maybe feeling condemned. Just living in condemnation, feeling just not really uh, uh, efficient or just not measuring up like you should in God. And then maybe you're kind of adopted the attitude that God maybe just doesn't love me. And then we start singing a song, oh, how he loves you and me. And then, then I talk about his love doesn't change toward us. And something inside goes, yeah, that's right not a big bam voice. Yes, I'm telling you right now. But there's just a perception, this is right. Well, what are you going to have to try and fight later on? The helmsman, the guy up there in your head going, no, no, no. But you perceive he does. Well, then follow that. You'll be in a good place.